It's study time, y'all. Welcome to Smart Poker Study. I'm your coach, Sky Matsuhashi. Let's get you learning and taking action. So I've been looking forward to today's episode with Bernard Lee for a very long time. Back in April, he released his latest book called Poker Satellite Success, and I picked it up. I've been reading it. I've been implementing his strategy in a few Venom satellites on America's Cardroom. Now, uh, I got this great opportunity not just to, 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 to read the book, learn from it, put stuff into action, but also to speak with Bernard Lee. We, we, took, we talked for about uh, like 35 minutes, so you're going to hear that interview in just a little bit. But let me tell you, his book, Poker Satellite Success, it's so worth picking up, especially right now with the World Series of Poker coming up. If you're going to find yourself in Vegas, you're going to play for a main event seat or you know, try to win a main event seat through a satellite, this is the book for you. And also with America's Cards Room with the $10 million Venom going on right now, holy cow, it is the time to play some satellites from anywhere from $1 to $10, $20, $50 satellites. You can win your seat into a $10 million guaranteed uh, Venom event, or the Venom main event on America's Cardroom. So I highly recommend that you pick up the book, Poker Satellite Success. And also, um, if you do want to play in the $10 million guaranteed, you've got to start an America's Cardroom account. So go to smartpokerstudy.com slash America's Cardroom and use offer code SPSPOD when you join and sign up and make your first deposit and you can get 27% rake back. All right, no more dilly-dally, no more messing around. Let's get to Bernard Lee. Gambate! What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Hey, hey, poker peeps. I'm so happy to welcome Bernard Lee to the show today. We don't do interviews often, and when we, when we do, we make sure that they're very good guests. Bernard is the host of the long-running Bernard Lee Poker Show, 14 years now. Incredible record right there. He uh, achieved 13th in the 2005 World Series of Poker main event. Many, many of you probably saw that one right there. He's a longtime player, longtime coach, and author of a brand new book, Poker Satellite Success. So welcome to the show, Bernard. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. So you're up in Massachusetts, right? That's right. That's right. Yep. What's the weather like up there right now? Because it's pretty darn hot over here in California. It's, uh, you know, it's been a very weird summer. We've had some really, really hot days like in the 90s and muggy. Today is kind of an 80s muggy day, but hmm. a weekend before it was in the 50s. I mean, it was, it's been a really crazy uh, uh, summer so far, but it's kind of par for the course with this crazy year that we've had too. So. For sure. Yeah. Super crazy. Last year and a half <laughs> even, you know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, over here in California, dealing with a heat wave of incredible proportions, you know, but it seems like we get that a lot, you know, and uh, I'm sure we'll be experiencing some fires this year. Not really looking forward to it, but I got my masks already, you know, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, be, that's I'll right. be indoors. Uh, I, I work from home. Do you work from home as well? Yes, yes, yes. So I do a lot of my stuff from home and whether it's uh, coaching or whether it's consulting or, you know, obviously playing, we have to hit the road and do that. But, you know, uh, yeah, I do a lot of my stuff from home. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Speaking of hitting the road, are you going to the WSOP this summer? Yeah, I'm definitely going to, uh, I'm going to go, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to go play um, the online, a bunch of the online events, not a lot of them, probably about five or six of them. Um, and then uh, I'm literally planning my trip right now for October. Um, oh, I I love playing Deuce to Seven. That's my, the game that I play a lot of Deuce to Seven, No Limit. It's a very unusual game, but 
Uh, I final tabled it three times so far, finished a runner up once. And so uh, I really literally start my first trip focusing on that event and it, it pivots around that event. So whenever that event is, then I kind of go from there. Um, this year it's in the middle, which is a little bit unusual. Usually it's near the beginning. So that kind of changes my, my setup a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. I'm, I, I already booked my flight out there. Now I'm just booking all my hotels and all that. Nice. Good. So is it going to yeah. be like a two, three week trip? Uh, the first one was supposed to be only a week, but hmm. I also do a, a charity event out there for the One Step Closer Foundation. We do it every summer. Uh, usually it's been at Planet Hollywood. It's been at Bally's. Lately it's been at Aria. Um, and uh, if, if anyone is interested in charity, it's a great cause. Uh, the president who I work very closely with uh, has cerebral palsy. And he started a foundation over 10 years ago. And we do a poker tournament every year. Usually first prize is anywhere from five to $10,000 with a lot of really cool prizes for the final table. So uh, it looks like we might do that again. Obviously, we've, we couldn't do it last year. So we might do it again. And so but depending on that, we'll see. It's probably going to be a two-week trip to start. Ironically, the end of the two weeks is... Uh, the seniors event, and I officially <laughs> qual- I officially qualified. You are, you do, great. Now. Yeah, okay. I would have qualified last year. I'm 51 now, so I would have qual- qualified last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably a dinosaur right now when I say that, but it, is it is. <laughs> feels like it, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice, man. So you are going to play in the seniors event then, or maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I'm definitely going to play. In. Okay. I mean, a lot of people have always said that it's a really good event to play in, and. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was excited to potentially play. I played the online version of it last year and I got a bunch of people, you know, messaging me being like, what are you doing in this event? I said, well, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You achieved the 50. It it is what it is. I mean, I can't do anything about it. So that's right. For sure. So speaking of the WSOP, you know, they have tons of satellites. When you go there, satellites are the main event, like $50 satellites to get into $1,500 events and everything. And so you wrote the awesome book. I just read the entire thing, Poker Satellite Success. And let me tell you, I employed your strategies in a lot of different satellites on America's card room right now. Not successful yet. But your yeah, strategies yeah. definitely work. I made it deep, made a couple final tables, but never made Great. it to the top six, you know. <laughs> top, so awesome. top's not the right word, the final six, right? right. Because right. in your book, the key strategy that you said, it's all about survival in satellites, right. not chip accumulation, not knocking out your opponents, and no, no right. laddering up, just survival. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so for me, when I first started playing, and, and uh, just to give a little background to people, is that I've been playing poker ever since I was young, um, played in high school, college, and when Foxwoods opened up here in New England in 1992, I was one of the first people there, um, played poker, seven-card stud. That was the game that I played, and a friend of mine, we would both drive together. Uh, we'd go, I'd play seven-card stud, and he'd play this game, which I honestly didn't understand, didn't know. Um, they were like community cards. I didn't get it. And then he told me they called it Texas Hold'em. And I was like, what is Texas Hold'em? And so that's my first introduction to Texas Hold'em. Um, I had been playing poker, not a, a ton in the 90s, but I played. I played a good amount, uh, more than the average person, I'm sure. But um, when Moneymaker did what he did, I jumped on the tournament bandwagon, not the poker bandwagon. And ironically, it was the year before Robert Varconi year in 2002, where I really actually got first excited about tournament poker. Um, the story is, is that Russell Rosenblum, who finished sixth, um, 
he got knocked out, went over to the commentary booth and was commentating about a hand and, and predicted that the hand was like Queen Jack. And, and I said, how can the world can this guy know that it's Queen Jack? And wouldn't you know it? They flipped over and it was Queen Jack. Mm. And that was the moment where I literally said to myself, I said, you think you know this game? You have no idea about this game. And so I really studied very hard. Then Moneymaker did what he did and et cetera. And, um, and then I went in 2005 to play in the World Series of Poker. And, and as you said, I finished 13th. Um, quick side note, I f- won my first event in 2006 at Foxwoods. And guess who was at my final table? Russell Rosenblum. Oh, okay. And so I pulled him aside and I told him the story. And I've, we've actually become, kind of become friends since. But um, to play in the 2005 World Series, I, I couldn't drop $10,000 down. My wife would have never yeah. brought me back <laughs> me in the too. house. So, so I had to qualify via satellite. And this, although this was my first WSOP, I had been playing in WPTs. Foxwoods has WPTs. So I played in the WPT main event. I had played in satellites to qualify for the WPT main event. So I had played in a lot of them. And so for me, playing satellites just became, you know, part of the routine. Um, you know, I initially early on, I, I couldn't play in $10,000 events. Even when I uh, had my big score, I still liked playing satellites. And in all honesty, I still play them today. Um, when I go to the World Series, um, for those of you who don't know, every night they have a satellite. It's it's now a five thousand dollar seat, quote unquote. They give you lammers, mm-hmm. well, which are tournament buy-in chips, but it's a five thousand dollar, and it's usually around eight or nine o'clock. So every night they have one of those. When it gets late in the series, then they have the ten thousand dollar ones. And then if there is a $10,000 championship event the next day, for example, the deuce to seven, they will run a thousand dollar satellite for that specific game the night before. And then they'll cancel the deuce, the, the no limit version of it. So uh, there are nights where I know I'm not going to have a tournament for a day or so, and I'll just go down and I'll buy the buy in for 500 and play the satellite. And, mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse, I'm fairly successful. I, one year I was, uh, three for three. And I'm literally, I'm not even joking. I literally went, I'm not going to play anymore because the law of averages state law of averages, yeah. go four for four. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. not going to go four for four. So mm-hmm. I literally stopped. And this was what, like maybe the second or third week. I mean, I think that's kind of crazy maybe, but literally in my head, I was like, there's no way I'm going to keep winning every yeah, single yeah. one of these. So, um, but yeah, I, I played satellites a lot. Um, and I think this was very apropos. We were eventually, we were initially going to launch this last summer at the world series of poker. And um, to give a little background of how this book actually was thought of Jonathan little, I think it was back in 2015 uh, wrote his uh, first book of excelling, no limit, uh, excelling at no limit holding. It mm-hmm. was his first kind of like super system. And he asked a bunch of people to write sections. And I was very honored that he asked me to write a section. And he said, what section would you like to write on? And I said, you know, I'd like to write a section on satellites. Um, I do a lot of presentations on them uh, for the Run Good Poker series. And I do a lot of presentations. I've done them for the World Series circuit as well. And so they're very well received. So I'd like to write. He goes, yeah, sure. That, that'd be great. And so we put it in there. And for better or worse, it was one of the best received chapters in that book. A lot of people would come up to me during the World Series and ask me, will you sign this for me? You know, I love this chapter. Um, and I guess I got back to the publisher, uh, DMB Poker, and I think people were just saying, hey, is there ever going to be a book just on this? 
And uh, I bumped into them in, I think it was 2018. And they said, hey, Bernard, uh, would you ever be interested in writing a full book on it? I said, sure, absolutely. There's definitely some stuff that I couldn't put in the the chapter because that's only 10,000 words. This is 50,000 words. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. And I had some additional thoughts. So we set out to do it. We thought about doing it in 2019, but by that time, it was a little too late. It was already October, November timeframe. So we said 2020, of course, COVID hit. This book has been done for a while, mm. uh, but then we really, what, once the World Series schedule got released or the dates got released, we decided to release the book. Uh, and, you know, this is something that for anyone who is interested in playing in a, a tournament that is out of your buy-in comfort zone, and you would need to play a satellite. This is the perfect book to do that. Um, and I think that there's, a, you know, not only the strategy side of it, but I think that there's also practical uh, examples that I u- utilize. And then the other thing that I, to be honest, this is the first section that I wrote when they asked me to write the book, the real life scenarios uh, chapter. And mm-hmm. what I did was I took eight real life scenarios that happened to me. And I just wrote them down and said, I know that there's some learnings in here. So I just wrote the whole chapter out. And then as we finished the book, I tied it in so that there's specific uh, connections to certain sections. And then in in that section itself, what I would do is I would describe the scenario, right? So I would describe the scenario itself. And then after describing the scenario, I would ask the question, so what would you do? And then we specifically, sometimes it would like end halfway in the page. And I asked the publisher, don't write anything in the rest of the page. I want them to really think about it. Now turn the page. And now they say, this is what happened, just so you know. Right. And, And by the way, some of them, it didn't happen so well for me. I'm not saying that I, some of them I'll show you, I lost Mm -hmm. because I did the wrong thing. And then the next part of it is what I learned from it and what you would potentially learn from it. I have gotten a really great feedback on that section because it's as if they played eight satellites without playing them with no, you know, harm in in putting the money down and not succeeding. And so you really get that experience uh, from me. Um, There's also another section all on deal-making, which is, some some people are like deal making. What do you mean deal making? Well, you think that there's no deals made in satellites at the World Series of Poker? It always you always get a break. I think it's the twelfth level, and wouldn't you know it? Every single time, there's only one or two away from busting, you know, getting to the money or getting to that seat, and the talks start happening. And For sure. so I've I've been part of that discussion personally. I've actually been part of that discussion where I was sitting there waiting for somebody who, a student of mine who was trying to get a seat and they were in the discussion. So I've been part of a multiple discussions. And so I decided to put a, a, ch- a full chapter on it. So how you can kind of figure it out because it's not real. There's no ICM here, right? It's, it's not really an ICM scenario. You would think it is, but it's not because everyone gets the same thing. So you can't be like, okay, you with one chip, you'll get this. And me with all the chips, I get, well, but we all get the same thing. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's a little different. You do have to split it up somehow, but it's not exactly an ICM scenario. So, um, you know, it's a little bit different than just, okay, here's the strategy kind of mm-hmm. thing. 
Yeah, it's, uh, those are really good chapters. I really did like that real life scenarios. That was chapter 10, really good examples. One of the things I loved about what you did there, you put some of your mistakes in there and the whole classic idea of, you know, it's great to learn from your own mistakes, but it's better to learn from mistakes of others. Those mistakes course, you've made, course. I mean, Bernard Lee screwed this up. He taught me how to not screw it up. Now I've got to right. follow, not, not follow, but I've got to take his instruction to heart and work to not make that right. same mistake that he did, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think that a lot of the people will, when they read the scenarios, you know, if they're really honest with themselves, they're going to be like, oh, wow, I would have done the same thing. Like I wouldn't have thought to do that. And yeah. so what I'm basically doing is I'm giving you, you know, the battle tested trials and tribulations of being a poker pro for over a decade and a half of, mm-hmm. of all the things that I've gone through. And like I said, you know, there's one where uh, we were trying to make a deal for the short stack at the table. And it was done. Everyone agreed. And then all of a sudden, the, the chip leader piped up and said, you know what? I don't want to give up that short money because I know I'm getting my seat. And instead of negotiating the deal again, I we kept playing. Well, who got knocked out on the bubble? <laughs> I mean, so I learned my lesson. I know, you know, all the little ways, you know, I, I, I've done enough that I, you know, I can hopefully at least try to strike up some kind of deal. And, and, you know, in a satellite, it's such a big difference from, you know, it's not, it's not a last longer. It's not a save. You know, you're, you're talking, if you're trying to get a $10,000 seat, if you get seven or $8,000, that's a hell of a lot better than zero. Yeah. Right. And that's what can happen because, you know, you're at a final table. Okay. We're trying to make a deal. Okay. If I get knocked out fifth, instead of making this deal, I'm going to make, I'm making up the number Mm $5,000. Oh, okay. Well, if I make the deal, I'm going to make 6,500 guaranteed and goes from there. Okay. So you made a little bit more, but in a satellite, it could be 10,000 or zero. And that's a big difference. Huge difference. difference. Yeah. So that's why I thought that deal section was going to be very beneficial. I, it was funny. I I didn't initially plan on writing that chapter, but when I started thinking about it, I thought, well, this chapter might be a real beneficial chapter. For sure it is. Some good time on it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So combining three things that you mentioned, right? Satellites are a great way to spend or to, to get your seat into a tournament that you're uncomfortable buying into. You mentioned right. Lammers and that's what you get at satellite, uh, as satellites at the World Series of Poker. And then you mentioned yeah. making deals. So all three of those combined, if I played in a satellite to the main event, paid $1,000, yep. won the $10,000 all in Lammers, I would be really uncomfortable. Even though I won that seat, I would, that's 10 grand that I can use to improve my business, do other things with. I think for me personally, I would want to make a deal with somebody or sell those lammers. And you've played at the WSOP, you've won a billion lammers. How do you sell them to other people? At the World Series, it's very easy. Um, So at the World Series, you can literally go up to the sit and go uh, section Mm-hmm. Um, the sit and go section is, uh, they, they have tournaments from like 80 to 500, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes even thousand dollars, but usually 500. So, so they, they come in increments of $500 or 500, you know, buy-in dollars. Those lammers, And yeah. you literally can go up to somebody who's buying in for a $500 and be like, could I sell this to you? Could I sell this to you? Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a little fortunate that I know a lot of, um, uh, people. Um, so a lot of players are literally just going to buy in. And so I can just be like, hey, blah, 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 Poker Pro, you mind buying my lammers? Yeah. Um, if you stand in line, um, people who understand the drill 
will be like, yeah, sure, I'll buy them from you. You don't even have to ask. They'll just be like, yeah, I'll buy them from you. Hmm. A lot of people who are in the regular line, and what I mean by regular line, there's usually a diamond line and a regular line. The regular line, they're very suspicious. They don't get it. And what I basically tell them is, listen, I will walk up with you to the buy-in area. I'm not walking away with your money until the moment that the person goes, yes, this is totally fine. And then you have your seat, then we can exchange the money. Are you comfortable with that? And and rarely does someone go like, that's unfair. I mean, like literally you get your ticket before you even hand me the money. Mm -hmm. So, but I I will say that that's very rare for me because more often than not, I will find somebody. You know, somebody who's already buying in for 1500 or 5,000. Yeah, but but you know, if you if I did win and I wanted to get rid of the lammers for whatever reason, like you know, sometimes I'll win one and I'm not playing in an event for three or four days. Do I really mm-hmm. want to hold on to these? Lam- I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I will, you know. But sometimes I don't. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's not that hard. It's not that hard at the cool. World Series. Other locations, different story. Um, other locations, um, uh, you can win a seat. They don't give you lammers. They give you a seat. Mm. So now you have to sell the full seat. Mm. And so if you're, you know, let's say that seat is $1,700, you can't sell 500, 500, 500. You have to sell a $1,700 seat. So some locations, you actually, they'll ask for a discount. Mm. They're like, you want it? Okay, fine. I'll buy it from you for $1,600. Because they kind of know you're in a rock and a hard place. Because if you don't, then you lose the money. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a second seat, they're like, okay, well, you can't play in it anyway. So they kind of have a you know, rock and a hard place. But there's obviously a market for it too, right? So you, they're not going to try to go like, I'll buy it for $500 because enough people will be playing in this event that says, listen, for example, for me, if somebody came up to me and I was, I, it, it happened to one event, I knew I was buying in. I knew this gentleman was trying to sell a seat. I could tell just the way he was standing there. And I even asked him, I go, you trying to sell your seat? He goes, yeah, like kind of like surprised that I knew. Hmm. And I told him, I said, I'll buy it for this amount. And he was trying to hold out for the full value. And I just know I've been at this location before. You can't sell it for full value. Yeah. So I said, no problem. You you try. And if I, if I see you here in about half an hour to an hour, I'll be back. And I just literally went up to my room and came down half an hour. I knew he'd still be there. Yeah, for sure. And so, and, and so I got it for the price that I was asking for. Good. So, you know, th- again, it's different. Every, every place is different, uh, but you know, you can just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've been doing the Bernard Lee poker show for 14 years now, right? I used yeah. to listen back in the day, but when I started my own podcast, I, I cut out all other poker podcasts because I wanted to focus on my own voice and doing sure. my own thing. You know what I mean? I didn't want to copy anybody else. So I haven't listened to it for a long time. But in in preparation for this interview with you, I listened to a recent one that you did with the 2021-2019 uh, U.S. Poker Open champ. Uh, yep. I guess his name is David Peters. And right. you asked him this question. I want to ask you the exact same question because with smart poker study being the topic of this podcast, right? I, th- I think yep. your answer would be really good. Um, in the early years, how did you work on your game and improve your skills? Like, I guess starting in 2002 when you really took No Limit Hold'em and then maybe, you know, the stud games more seriously. So I read a lot, I mean, initially. Uh, and that that... I read almost every single book on poker. Of course, back in 2002, 2003, that library was like this. <laughs> today. It was like, like three Sklansky books. And yeah, a yeah, exactly. Youth. Every yeah, Sklansky yeah. book. I, I copied the chapter out of Doyle Brunson, Chip Reese's chapter out of mm-hmm. Seven Stud and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Um, so I read a lot. Um, 
I will tell you one of the things I did, which people always find kind of funny and interesting. So when I watched the WPT, right? WPT was must-see TV back then, Travel Channel Wednesday 100%. Nights. Every, whatever, so, Saturday for right? two hours I watched it. it. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. I remember. Oh, Wednesday night, Wednesday okay. night right? Yeah. And so I would deep uh dvr haha i vhs it Ooh. right vhs uh-huh. i mean this is how old it was right yeah. back then and so i put it in there i actually had one it said wpt do not erase kind of thing right mm-hmm. so i put it in tape it okay so then i would replay it and in the left corner right they would have the um the hands the whole cards yeah right okay so i'd mute it and i'd put a post-it over the corner of that tv Oh, okay. And I'd watch the hand being played out. And then I would guess the hands. That is awesome. Right. And so then if I was right, I was like, spot on, baby. Like, so I totally can read what's going on. If I was wrong, you know, mind you, it wasn't like I was Queen of Hearts, Jack of Diamonds. Like, I mean, like, there's a range, right? And no yeah. one, you got to have someone to range. If you had but, Jack 10 and you said, oh, he has King Jack, you're pretty close yeah, yeah. if it was but, a pair but of jacks. I will, but, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that my range got pretty good. And so if I was wrong, I'd be like, hmm, rewind it, watch it again and be like, okay, now I get it. Now I see why. Nice. And then I might like replay it and listen to Mike's commentary and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So you have to remember back then that was about as good as you could get. There wasn't like 400 websites where you could get training. Yep. So I would do a lot of that. I would watch the hands over and over and over again and be like, hmm, interesting. This is what I would do, et cetera. And so any TV show I would try to, I'd cover it up and I'd watch the hand being played out. Oh, this happened, raise, re because of that, I think he has this and here. And so what, what that's allowed me to do over the years is that when a hand is going on uh, at a table that I'm playing at, it's almost like I'm watching it on TV. And so yeah. I literally be like, hmm, I think he has this and I think he has this based off of the betting scenario. Again, sometimes I'm completely wrong, but I will tell you that when I'm spot on, that allows me the confidence that when I now play against this player, that what I anticipate his hand to be, I am pretty sure that I'm going to be spot on because I was spot on not one time before. Usually I say one time accident, two time coincidence, three times a pattern. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I see it three times in a row and I watch, I watch a hand being played out between a, a person against an opponent three times and I guess his hand or her hand three times in a row. I'm pretty confident that when I go one on one with that person, that whatever I guess is going to be right. For sure. That makes so much that I love this study strategy. I've never heard of, I've never thought about it myself. So I'm going to teach this to my audience and maybe upcoming videos or the podcast or something. I'm going to call it the Bernard Lee. Is that okay with you? Yeah, totally fine. I mean, I think, like I said, I think it was a really neat way of doing it and it was my way. Um, The other thing I did was I I still have it. Um, So it was a binder and it was, so I got a structure sheet of every single tournament I played in. I literally had for two years, I had a binder that was this thick. I even had the world series main event one. If you go back and see the videos, they they actually shot it, the sheet. So I, I would go on level one. I put down my starting stack and how many players were in the event. And then I would write down every single hand I played in my own cryptic handwriting. Right. So I would put ACE King suited versus two P two players it was 200 call C me C as in the letter C means call me. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes put my seat position like cut off and then a flop would come down, you know, whatever, 10, seven, three, 
you know, heart, diamond, spade, bet, call, raise, and et cetera. And I literally do my shorthand version of the hands. So I did that with almost every hand I played for about two years. I'm not joking. Every tournament, I kept every single sheet, win or lose. It wasn't like, oh, the, only the final tables. So then right before I played an event, I would open up the book and I would go through hands. And I would like go through the first four levels on what I did for an event that was very similar to the one I'm playing. So similar if it was in a structure, makes circuit sense. event, mm-hmm. I'd do that. If it was a, a WPT main event, yeah. I'd go and find a Borgata or a Beau Rivage or a Foxwoods, whatever. And the reason why I did this, so in my head, I was already thinking about poker. And I, it was like I was warming up, like for a sporting event. It's like I warmed up. Like I already went through... 20, 30 different hands and remembered how it was played out. And then I would remember mistakes and I would remember good things and remember bad things and remember, don't do this and remember, don't do that. And so when I got to the table, you know, uh, I will say there were times where you're just like, Oh God, I got to start playing poker. I had been playing poker for an hour already. Yeah. You know, Cause I really was good warm up exercise. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really good. So that that's something I used to do a lot of as well. Awesome. That's a good, really good strategy. And so my guess is that, that that really good practice of taking notes on your hands, live played hands, right? Online players, we have Poker Tracker 4, makes things sure. so much easier to record. But that's probably where you pulled a lot of the hands in that real life scenarios section from those books and from experiences, because you probably still take notes on hands played, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't take them nearly as detailed as I used to because I would go over them constantly. Um, but for better or worse, I have a pretty good memory. Um, somebody will, every once in a while, somebody will come up to me and be like, oh, yeah, I played against you. I was like, where? And they would tell me, and I'd be like, remind me. And they would tell me about the hand. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, you were seated in seat four. I was in seat eight. I remember you were playing very aggressively that day. And they're like, how do you remember that? That was four years ago. I go, yeah, yeah. If it, if it strikes me, I'll remember it. And, uh, you know, like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to play in a bunch of main events and I've cashed in four of them. And I've gotten deep in, in, in those four, um, you know, all day four, day fives. And I, I can remember so many hands from those main events and it sounds crazy, but they're like, how in the heck do you remember? I I remember every important hand in the 2005 one. And I can tell you where I was sitting. I'm being Mm -hmm. serious. Like I know exactly where I was sitting. I can tell you people who were sitting there. I can tell you how it all played out, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I don't know. That's just, just something that I, 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 I just, have a knack for for better or worse. Gotcha. I have an incredible knack for forgetting hands. I don't remember anything I play. I truly yeah. don't. I don't know why. It's just, it's really hard for me, for me to remember that stuff. That's why all of my own poker training is all geared around like learning something new and then practicing it. Cause if I read about a strategy, I'm never like, you know, all the awesome strategies you have in this book, I am never going to remember it if I don't actually practice it. That's why over the past right. few weeks, I've been playing America's Card Room Satellite to work on yep. those strategies, to build them, to like, you know, uh, internalize all of them. So I don't have right. to like try to memorize them. But I do have a question for you. You said Deuce to Seven Lowball is one of your favorite games. You absolutely love it. Yep. In my hometown of Fresno, I never see it spread. It's never in tournament rotations or anything. So how do you keep up your deuce to seven skills from year to year? Do you have like a home game that you play a ton with a ton of buddies? 
you know, it's it's really funny that you say that because it's always it's it's the toughest game to keep up, right? Because you really can't play it, and and there's very rarely a time where like you go to a casino and it's like just spread alone. It's got to mm-hmm. be part of like a mixed rotation. So now you got to play the mixed game just to be able to play it. So um, I don't know why, but the game is very intuitive for me. It, it is it is um, there's no turn and river. I'm sorry, there's no flop or turn. Mm-hmm. There's pre-flop and there's river. That's it. End of story. And um, when I first got into the game, which was probably like 10, 12 years ago, I would say post-flop was the weakest part of my game. Now, since then, I have worked so hard on it. I think it's probably a strong part of my game. But I really found Deuce to Seven fantastic because of that. I was like, oh, great. I'm really good at pre-flop. And now I just got to realize, am I being bluffed or not? You know, and, or how do I get more chips? So I don't know why the game was very intuitive to me. I, I was also very fortunate that Billy Baxter, who is known as Mr. Lowball, who has won multiple bracelets in lowball events. Um, I interviewed him once. Uh, Mike Sexton introduced me um, and interviewed him about Deuce to Seven and lowball in general. And we became pretty good friends. Um, you know, like he, he spoke with me for hours, hours, you know, I'm getting free lessons from like the master. Mm-hmm. And then wouldn't you know it just out of coincidence, the next day he was at my table and he played the entire day with me. And at the end I called him and I said, Billy, you literally watched me play for an entire day. Can you critique me? What did I do right? What did I do wrong? Et cetera, et cetera. And that was an incredible, God, I wrote all these notes down and I accidentally threw the piece of paper out. Like, can you imagine? like I still remember most of them. I, I yeah. wrote them down, but like, I still like, I remember when I threw it out, I, it was so funny. I was playing another tournament and like, it hit me that I threw it out and I went, <gasps> and I almost ran back to my room to see if I could save the piece of paper. But I knew it was gone, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. There is a game in, um, Connecticut. So there's a gentleman who um, read my comp. So I've written multiple columns on this game. I've done multiple interviews, card player, poker news, ESPN. I mean, all over the place. And this gentleman read it, loved the concept of the game and brought it to his game. And they actually do like a monthly deuce to seven in Connecticut. And I have actually driven down and played it a few times. And, nice. you know, they're always like, this doesn't, this is crazy that the guy that we, you know, started with. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird. Um, there are some other places that you can play it. Um, but in general, you can't, it's hard. It's hard to play. Yeah, for sure it is. How often do you actually yeah. get to play on a yearly basis, like seven times per year between WSOPs? Or like not even at all, and you're just noodling I, on. I, it. I don't. I, okay, I mean, not I, at all. I, I watch. I watch a lot on like right before an event. I'll go mm-hmm. on YouTube and I'll just watch. Like they, they, ESPN did a, um, uh, a Deuce to Seven once show. Mm-hmm. I think Barry Greenstein won it, and so I, I watch that. Doyle uh, on Poker Go, Doyle does a deuce to seven every once in a while. So I'll just watch. And it just kind of gets your head going. You yeah, know, it just yeah, gets yeah. your brain thinking. And, you know, it's one of those things. You you, you ride a bike. It, it just yeah. Kinda- well, well, and like you said, too, you find the game very intuitive, right? Yeah, like for just, me, really- PLO, not intuitive. 
no limit hold them a little bit. So I feel very much yeah. more comfortable than PLO, but for you, yeah. Deuce to seven. Yeah. You don't need to, once you have I, like I, an I, intrinsic grasp of it. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but like, you know, you've played a sport your entire life and not that I've played it my entire life, but I have been playing it for about 12, 15 years. And I mean, I, I'm so crazy. The year after I've, I um, finished runner up, I was determined to get that bracelet. And so I flew across country to LA to play at the commerce mm-hmm. to, to play was commerce bike. I forget where, um, but <laughs> it was crazy. Frank Casella who beat me the heads up f- drove in from Las Vegas. I flew in from Boston and one other gentleman, we started the event, three of us, mm-hmm. three of us. That's it. The $5,000 deuce to seven, whatever. Yeah. And there's three of us and two of us came from out of town to play <laughs> yeah. this damn event. We ended up getting like six or seven people in the oh. thing, but, but still in the crazy that was, so then, and then I did it once again and there were maybe like 17 people in it or whatever it was. So it was okay. a little bit better, but, but yeah, it's very hard, hard to, to be able to play it. And, you know, as crazy as it is, you know, can you imagine I, I center, I really feel like, I guess my logic is, I'm not that lucky person that wins the 3,842 player event. Mm-hmm. I'm just not, you know, you hear these stories. I don't stories think I am of, either. <laughs> you know, you, you hear these stories of the guy came in for, you know, his grandmother's birthday that weekend and decided to play in the Colossus, you know, yeah. lucky him. And next thing you know, he wins it. I, I am just not, that <laughs> I, you know, I, I sit there and I, and I, I'm applauding. But in the back of my head, I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, what kind of, you know, what is this? <laughs> I mean, like we work so hard at the game and, and that's what happens. So, um, you know, Deuce to Seven usually has only a couple hundred people in the 1500 and less mm-hmm. than a hundred people in the 10K. And so, you know, if you're good at a game and I can beat a two, 300 person field, you know, for sure. I mean? And so, so that's kind of where I'm, you know, if, if I'm going to win a bracelet, I hope I hope that's my opportunity. So I don't want to give up those chances. Yeah. You only get two or three chances every single year, and and I'm getting pretty good at triple draw right now too. So I, I think I'll, I'll play the 1500 triple draw as well. Cool beans. Well, good luck to you yeah. at the WSOP this summer. So for everybody, I highly rec- recommend Poker Satellite Success. Absolutely love it. You can pick it up at Amazon, DNB Poker, all the all the usual places. But Bernard Lee offered something special for my listeners here. If so. On Twitter, if you follow at Bernard Lee Poker, follow at Smart Poker Study. And I have at the top of my Twitter, I have a pinned tweet with the hashtag uh, Poker Satellite Success. If you find that tweet, retweet it and follow Bernard and myself, you're going to be in the running for a free copy of Poker Satellite Success right That's here. That's right. This one right here, and I will sign it. I can't, kind of can't see it with the. Yeah. <laughs> I will sign. I there you go. Better. So, and I'll sign it as well. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll send it. We'll send it off to somebody. And uh, you know, um, uh, hopefully that'll help. And you know, we love we love the, the the success stories. If you go on Amazon, there are a few people who've already written reviews on it, saying that they just won a satellite. And one nice. of the guys who wrote the success that he had, he actually won two more. So um, it's pretty, it's pretty great. Yeah, for sure. It is for sure. So of course, I just mentioned your Twitter at Bernard Lee Poker. But besides that, how else can people get in contact with you or listen to the Bernard Lee Poker Show? Yeah, so you can find Bernard Lee Poker Show uh, on iTunes. You can go to cardplayerlifestyle.com. We, we post a, a, a kind of review of that. 
the other thing I would do is, uh, as in addition to following me on Twitter, it's at Bernard Lee Poker, but go to my YouTube page as I'm um, putting stuff on YouTube uh, as well. Um, a lot of my interviews are now going up on YouTube. Some people like watching them uh, more than podcasting, and so we'll give them that opportunity as well. And that's Bernard Lee Poker. Um, Instagram, Bernard Lee Poker, that's just kind of my moniker. And so if you go there, uh, you can contact me. Um, you can also email me if you'd like, Bernard Lee Poker at Hotmail or Gmail, either one, um, and you can you, uh, reach me there. Perfect. Well, Bernard, um, all of those links, everybody that he just now mentioned, they're going to be in the show notes page. So you can find that as well. Just everything listed, bam, 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 right there. Smartpokerstudy.com slash Bernard Lee. So Bernard Lee, once again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciated our time together. Not a problem. Appreciate you having me on the show. Alrighty, your learning is not complete until you visit the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash Bernard Lee. Go there and see all the links of everything that we discuss and figure out ways that you can uh, follow and get in contact with Bernard if you'd like. And of course, pick up his book, Poker Satellite Success. Highly recommended for anybody who wants to win uh, event tickets or win a ticket into a higher priced event that you normally wouldn't want to fork over a little bit of money for. And if you want to play in that $10 million guaranteed Venom main event, you've got to be on America's Card Room. Just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash America's Card Room, use code SPSPOD, and you can get 27% rake back. My other podcast called Daily Poker Tips, that's available wherever you listen to podcasts, so just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips to subscribe. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.